0: Welcome to the official catch-up, League Edition. I'm joined by Chris and I'm joined by Moza. As always, Moza, how you doing?
1: I'm good, mate. How's you been?
0: Not too bad. We're recording on a Monday at lunchtime, which is a Tuesday lunchtime rather even, not Monday, uh, which is a, it's a different time for ourselves, but it's good to get chatting about all things League and football in general. Chris, how you doing?
2: Yeah, good. I must say though, it's it's... We're obviously going to be pre- previewing the playoff game, but uh, it's good to be talking about football for once, not whether you know certain games are going ahead and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, that's it. There's a lot less politics and bureaucracy to discuss. It's more about the actual football on the park, um, so it's going to be a, an interesting episode for sure. Just to check out our sponsor, uh, The Soccer Shop Direct, find them on Twitter at The Soccer Shop D, or check out their website, www.thesoccershopdirect.com for all your team wear and football equipment needs. Well, we'll start with the main main talking point, and it's the, the Pyramid Playoff semi-final takes place tonight. We have Bora Rangers versus Barry Ferguson's ambitious Celtic Hearts. In the, the pyramid playoff, the first match has been played at Dungeon Park uh, up in Brora. How do you see the game going in the first place?
1: I think Kelty are just looking to come away with a draw, to be honest. It's really tough to tell when you get two teams that haven't played in God knows how long. is getting a more recent experience with the cup games. Kelty's had a couple of boys out on loan, like Fash went out and knocked in a couple of goals for East Fife. Um, so I think it'll be quite tight regardless, just because there'll be a bit of rustiness there. They're playing at seven o'clock, which is a weird kick-off time as well, just because the way the Champions League games are tonight and such like. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have been allowed to stream it. So that's why they're doing that. But I th- I could see it being a draw and everything going down to Saturday, in all honesty, or, or at least a, a narrow win either way. But I think if you're broader, you want to go down with an advantage in your back pocket. So they'll be doing what they can to get the, the win tonight.
0: That's
1: what
2: you think. Yeah, I agree. I actually think Bro are, are favourites um, in my mind for this. Uh, we know the quality of Kelty, though. We know that both teams aren't used to losing. But certainly the, the big factor for me is the fact that Kelty haven't played in almost four months. Brora only played, what, a month ago? Uh, strangely, both uh, last games for both of them were uh, Scottish Cup games against Rhin But it really depends on what sort of... If Kelty try and play their normal game, where they try and sort of control possession, uh, control the tempo. That kind of worries me, in a sense, because we saw sort of Hearts try and do the same against them in the Scottish Cup, and Brora punished them. And I honestly think Brora are favourites, especially on the bigger pitch at Dudgeon, uh, Dudgeon Park. Uh, Kelly will be short of match fitness, obviously. So it's very interesting to to try and call this because of the... The massive gap, but if you think four, four months, you know, a long time for a footballer, I mean, that's almost like a complete holiday before pre-season, yeah. so uh, obviously travel's not going to be a factor, because we are already up there, having left uh, on Monday evening to get up there, so that's not going to be a factor. I don't know if uh, Brora are going to do the same, obviously, um, before Saturday, like maybe come down on the Friday, but it's, uh, oh, it's, it's fascinating, but I, I do honestly think Brora and my Head over heart, probably are probably favourites, but it's 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 so hard to go against Kelly because we know how good they are. But I'm I'm definitely definitely think Broa can can pull something off, and if they do, they take a you know maybe a one or two nil one down to New Central Park. I think they're favourites for the whole thing because they go they go down to New Central Park. It's a smaller pitch. It's easier to hold a lead. It does make for a
1: fascinating fixture, but I definitely think Brorah do have the advantage in my opinion. I think it's the first time in a few years we've had a genuine toss up between two teams for a a playoff like this. Because if you look at Cove, Cove made short work, East Cobride. Like the last few times this has happened, there's been a better Highland team or a better Lowland team by not a distance, but a, a fair way, I'd say. So, like, either team could win this and you wouldn't be surprised. And I think that says a lot about both teams.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think we will have that that confidence about them because of obviously got a result against Hearts uh, in the Scottish Cup, so they're gonna I mean, have it's that. Only that Hearts. Or, it's only Hearts, obviously, <laughs> but definitely they'll have that in their in their, you know, in the head where we could be Hearts, we should be able to beat Celtic Hearts. That's probably their their thinking, and, and I think they've definitely got the got the ability. Yeah, no doubt about it. I don't know much about squads in terms of fitness or anything like that, but um, certainly those guys have been, I presume that they have been training for quite a bit now, haven't they? I know they're were, they were kind of waiting to hear back in terms of when they can restart and they got the all clear and stuff to, to actually train. So they've been obviously ticking over, but I don't know if they'll have managed many like, bounce games in anything, because there won't be probably that many our teams to play in terms of getting kind of any sort of match kind of sharpness. So maybe, maybe it'll be tough for both of them for sure, but close game, fully expected, and I think it'll be... I think it's going to be quite tight going into the game, and Saturday, I think it'll still be out to play for it on Saturday. I feel personally. I
2: think it depends. I mean, I see the I see the game going either one or two ways because um, I've seen a few games obviously. Or we have seen a few games obviously where at the start of the season where it's it's either a nervous sort of close game or it's a, an absolute goal fest, and I think it could turn out this way as well. Obviously, away goals don't don't matter. So. If Kelly are going to win this, they have to sort of keep uh, keep it close in the first leg, I think, and then go to New Central Park. And uh, I think that if they had the home advantage first, I think it would probably be a wee bit better for them, actually. Especially um, uh, looking at pitch sizes, I think Dudgeon Park's actually quite a big pitch compared to New Central Park. So that, that'll that play a factor, certainly, in match fitness. But uh, look, we, we've said that before, obviously Kelly are a good team. They have had weaknesses in the past, but I think Barry has sort of worked on. I think they only conceded four uh, goals in the loan League this season, so but I, I do generally fear that Brora will, will look at this and say, well, we've got the home advantage, we, we can take this tie by the scruff of the
1: neck. I mean, the flip side is Kerry might actually be happy to get their wee leg out the way first, because if they're both rusty, they'll both be a wee bit more kind of ready for Saturday's game, you'd think. Um, try and get it out the way well, they might miss chances that otherwise could be taken, so... It can go, bo- there's, there's positives and negatives to the situation for both sides, I'd say, but I think Kelty need to come down the road with at worst a one goal deficit because, yeah. as you say, Chris, if they're two, three goals behind, then it's a tough, tough ask. Um, and you... We're
0: obviously a, a Lowland League podcast, so so what do you think, guys, is the, the kind of important factor for, I guess, Kelty? You obviously we want to see Kelty get the result on uh, the weekend. What do you think is going to be important for them to do to? To get
1: that result as Chris has already kind of alluded to they need to go up and keep it tight up there on on the bigger pitch I, I think they come down the road with a draw or a win I'm not confident in them getting through if they lose tonight because Brora are a team that are solid as a rock and they will be delighted to be able to counter attack all day in the second game so yeah I, I think Kelly need to get something tonight and I think most Kelly supporters would agree with that in honesty as well that like, Kelty are a much better team where they can invite pressure onto them and hit on on the counter. Um, I know that's not their, their kind of MO, but you see what they do to teams when they take a lead. And then teams are forced to come at them and suddenly ball's over the top of the defence. Nathan Austin's in. So, to a head, I think they'll go through. Um, purely, because in my opinion, they're a better team when they've got a lead.
2: Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I actually think on paper... Uh, no dis- uh, disrespect to Brora, but I do think Kelly have the better team. But there is certain things, like like we've mentioned, obviously, that I, I do worry that Brora are probably a wee bit ahead. Um, because you could be the best team in the world, but if you've not played in four months, as I said, you're coming into a game with a massive disadvantage in terms of match fitness, and I think that's that's crucial. And Kelly will know that. Obviously, they, they have been training, but I don't think it's... If you ask any footballer, I don't think it's quite the same as having coming into a game, having played, you know, a competitive match previously. Or I mean, I don't know so much about bounce games if they've had any, or if they've been playing, you know, uh, eleven on eleven or eight on eight or whatever it will be in training. But it's just not the same. Whereas I think bro, I do, I mean, we saw the the assistant manager obviously. They look very up for it as well as uh, as well as Kelly. I think Kelly had been a wee bit more quiet. Um, as a club, compared to to Brora, it, it just feels like if there is momentum going into this game, then it would be with brother because the fact that it was only a month ago that they last played. So,
0: I think I think for me, one of the, the key aspects of this is for Kelly is his um, Nathan Austin. The fact that he's been out alone and he's been playing, he's been scoring. He's going to obviously come into the game when bit a form himself. I think that'll be a, a key a key battle. Is, is if you get the ball to Austin. You know, supply him with chances he'll, he'll put them away because we know what he's like he's a, he's, he's a goal scorer and that's what they need um, so it's also not about getting I don't know what you said about getting a draw but they need to go out there and get, get, his, get the, the full result so I guess getting a draw by uh, basically half time by yeah. the end of the game it's that's only half time in the tie so um, get the ball to Austin I think we've got good creative guys in there like Higginbotham who can, who can create chances if, able, if both guys are on form I think Kelly yeah,
1: for me or the other team It's interesting. interesting Yeah, well, as Chris just said, exactly the same thing <laughs> It will be really interesting to see how it plays out Because there are so many unknowns It is quite hard to to make a confident call, isn't it? The,
2: the there's, You know, there's definitely game changers, obviously Like Nathan Austin, Dylan Easton, Callum Higginbottom But the big the big guy for me is obviously Michael Kidds in the middle of the park uh, Because they have sort of, I think from what I've heard, Barry's always wanted to play this sort of control the tempo possession type game. we have seen it this season already. If Brora, you know, get a goal ahead or two goals ahead and they're not controlling the tempo, I think we could see Kelly crumble. And I'm not, I'm trying not to be too harsh on them, but I just think like, like we've said, we we need to see them keep it tight. Uh, Brora are a team that, albeit, you know, we could say that Kelly have all these sort of weapons, if you will, um, Brewer are a dangerous team and it and it's we've, we've seen it so many times where we've we've looked at Scottish Cup ties between Lowland League sides and Highland League sides and we've said, Oh well, the Lowland League side's gonna gonna get through. Uh you know, they're the favourites, and it's just not happened. So th- there's that to it as well. I, I don't want to pl- feel like I'm playing down Kelty's chances, but th- there is certain thing there's probably more concerns uh, uh football in terms for me for Kelty than there is for Brora, like we've mentioned.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think they're both different size completely in terms of how they play. I think, as you said before, Bro are quite solid and um, can defend well, whereas Celtic have got this kind of a great attacking flair as well that, that they have, and I think it's going to be one of those games. I think it's going to be an exciting watch, personally. I, I'll probably watch it tonight on the on the stream. I think I'll probably spend my time on and, and get the game and, and see what it's all about. It'll be, cause it's one of the, probably the more exciting games in terms of football, so yeah, I'm a I'm a cold market fan, so our game's exciting for us just now in terms of trying to stay up. But um, beyond that, I think for me, yes, and neutral is going to be a, a good game to watch and um, hopefully rooting for Carway because they are representing the Lowland League and, and what we want to see is many Lowland League teams get up to the um, the the league the league to it Anyway, so I think we'll be looking forward to seeing hopefully Carway get us out. I had a
1: tenner I watched a breaking game the other day, so. Can only go better than that. That's uh, that's yeah. the
2: thing though. I think most people are most people, I think, over the last few years do consider this as the more important game, uh, compared to the the playoff game <laughs> against Club 42. It's like it almost feels, and it's no disrespect to Breakin City, but almost feels like whoever wins this is going to be in the SBFL, given uh, given the fact that like there's probably not a lot of people that are hopeful that <laughs> Brecon will, will will be either kelly or Brewer. I don't think even the their chairman, obviously Ken Bergson, uh, <laughs> believes uh, that they can beat Rora Arkellie. Going by the, you know, the fact that they've tried to stop the playoffs, but uh, this this is the the main one for me. I think uh, in terms of who's going to be in the SBFL, but anything can happen in the playoffs. And I think we have to be fair to uh, to all the teams involved. But yeah, I think this is this is the the more exciting of the the playoff ties. I think.
1: Yeah, and I think. In Fairness, we should probably talk about Breaking a wee bit here because obviously there's been a lot that's happened the last few weeks. Um, I watched the Breaking anning game to get a, an idea how they've actually been playing, so I'm not just accused of <laughs> like dismissing them. You just and watched watch that for Daz Christy, let's be honest. I did watch it for Daz Christie and he did score, no, no, so we didn't really it was worth it can can was every penny of that time, we were there there for the das but um. To be fair, at Breakin, they do play some nice transition stuff for defence to midfield. There's some tidy play, but it's when they get to the edge of the box, they just don't know what they're doing. Like, they're completely devoid of ideas, and their defence is static. So, anytime they lose a the ball there, suddenly they can get cut to pieces with just a simple through ball or a ball over the top. Um, and Aaron did that, albeit with one absolute comedy goal, the first goal where we the goalkeeper didn't realise the ball was going to come off the bar and they thought it was going to over the bar. Um, yeah, less like said the better. But uh, I feel sorry for Breakin's fans because I think what we've learned the past week or two with everything that happened is that it's the actions of not just everyone in the board, it's not everyone in the boardroom at Breakin, it's certain people who are leading the board at Breakin that are trying their best to scrape and claw their way out of this. Uh, playoff Most of the fans have been saying Look, bring it on We've still got a chance of staying up We deserve to be in the playoff It's two years in the spin Kelly and we uh, Were going to be in it last year anyway Just get on with it Stop whinging And the other thing we learned Was it was actually the SPFL Who took it to arbitration Not mm-hmm. breaking Albeit clearly when Ken was on the board He'd probably been pushing for that But Doncaster and and Co were the ones that actually went to go and check it, which tells me they were looking to protect a member club essentially, and they'll probably be disappointed the fact this playoffs not happening. But it's the right thing to to, to go ahead, and I'm delighted that after all the work I put and try to read these statutes, a law that I've been proven right and not had egg in my face after it.
2: <laughs> I think if you look at the break breaking, there's a few guys in there that we know that have played at low on league level or. Uh, East of Scotland level, and uh, there's we've never had any against Brecon. I think we need to make that no, clear. I think I said said so much in, uh, uh on Twitter as well. But the the fans, I actually feel sorry for the fans. I think at first that they were quite defensive of their club, which you know you'd fully expect. But then I think I, we we've had messages from Brecon fans saying that they were actually embarrassed by by how the club just acted, and I we I actually feel sorry for the Brecon fans. But I think um had they this could be a, a brilliant thing for Breakin. I know they probably won't see it now if they do get relegated, but you've got to think of how rejuvenated East Allinger and Berwick yep. Rangers have been in the Lone league. They're actually winning games, they're they're back to well, I think East Stollinger are a wee bit further along than uh, Berwick so, at the moment, but they're actually back to competing. And I think that's a good thing. Um if if Breakin were a you know, saved again for, uh, for League Two, or saved again next season, and saved again. They would only still finish bottom. I mean, what's the what's the oh well? We, we don't have to worry about relegation, so why why change anything? But if they get if there's a chance that they get relegated, then it's a perfect opportunity to get things changed and and start competing again and try and get back to the SPFL if that's what's going to happen. So there's too many clubs that are are stagnated in that league too. We've, we've called it out before, but they need. I think they need that sort of boot up the boot up the backside for a for a lack of a better term. But um yeah, um nothing against Breakin. I actually, you know, we wish them well uh, as well. So I am looking forward to, to the second playoff game. I just think myself and the majority of people think this the, the one of you know, Kelti Brewer is probably the, the one to, to look at
1: before uh before Breakin as well. I mean, there's still a culture in League One, League Two, among some people that are oh, non-league. Why are we even entertaining them? And to be fair, some of the new media are perpetuating this as well, like Craig Telfer, for example. I'm going to call him out there now because, see this chat about non-league jobbers, whether it's meant in jest or not. I think you'll find it does, Christy. I think you'll find it, Tam or All these guys are totally disproving you, mate. And if Kelty go up or if Broder go up next year, and smashed any, it's yet another proof that that's just a nonsense statement. So, folk would do well to actually respect where we are in the pyramid now and stop showing so much fear about these ambitious clubs that are coming up. And I know the ambitious Kelty Hearts is a bit of a funny tagline by now, but they're a hell a lot more ambitious than many teams languishing in League One and League Two. Than now.
2: I love that we shout out there for Craig Telfer there. Uh, yeah, that's that sort of always a wee bit disrespectful in what he said, but I think he's he's had previous where he's sort of mocked non league teams for getting put out there the Scottish Cup by you know SPFL teams and that. And it's like, well, wouldn't you expect that? Like I know, I know we we, we celebrate every sort of you know uh, cup shock, if you will, or inverted comments, obviously. But um like you've got I mean look at uh, his his team's obviously stenny. I mean, Swifty's just took over, probably one of the best managers in non-league. I know you were very upset that day, Derek. Still but, don't go on about it. Um, But I would expect, you know, the, the way Swifty is, uh, how good a manager he is, I would expect to see a lot of non-league jobbers going to Steny next season. And we've already seen a Steny team this season full of guys that used to be in the lone league that have done, done a job. So a wee bit of respect, I would say, a wee bit of respect.
0: Completely agree, boys. I think I think we will gone back to the point about Swifty. He knows the he knows the West of Scotland League really well in terms of he's played there, he's managed there as well. He's been a, around a lot of the clubs. He knows the players, he knows the managers. He, he's guaranteed to be bringing some of those boys. I mean, we saw it with BSC last last year. They brought in what two from Talbot and one from, from Pollock. It boys, yeah, um, top top players in terms of. Andy Leishman and, and Craig McCracken. If I brought Jimmy Glasgow as well from Wokingleck and mm. um, obviously our man and dad's because I we've talked about that guy enough. I think we've probably got me moved to, to Anne and let's be honest we we're, we were big fans of <laughs> um, big fans of Dice. and I think with the Swifty Swift, and Rose see the, the league you'll, you'll probably want to see this because a lot of those guys are probably playing in the West for, for, for money probably that's probably the main thing in terms of being able to play and get good money for playing a local team then maybe might see the opportunity to go and play in League Two. I think like yeah back to Daz. I think I'd be surprised to see Daz playing in the West. I would think he's he's absolutely capable of he's seen it we've seen him already he's capable of playing at a higher level and, and, and Swiftie will be the, that's the kind of guys he'll sign, the guys he knows, the guys he can trust and and they're no different to some of the team, the players in the in the League two already. So I think I think we'll see that. And I think already this kind of this kind of bit of a kind of look down your nose at, at non-league just has to stop because the only reason ultimately we haven't been able to play these teams before is because of the the, the kind of glass ceiling in terms of the, the pyramid. Now that's opened up, but I mean, we're coming. In terms of West and East teams and and Lowland League teams, we're coming for these teams in the League 2. And to watch our back is what I, say.
2: I tell you what, one thing we have to mention, we have to give a wee bit, a wee bit of a shout-out to and Athletic because they're, we they're, 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 they're struggling a wee bit in League 2, but they're one of the teams, I feel, that, really respects non-league. I don't know if it's because they're one of the newer members in the SBFL, but I always feel that they have a, a decent respect level. They're they're not like say a cow cowden beef or a Albion Rovers that seem like they're they're obviously on the, the same sort of elk as is uh, as Breakin lately with the with with some of the, you know, the excuses and and whatnot that we've we've seen. Um, I really do like Annan Athletic, and and it's same. I think it's similar to to Queenie the South. I don't know if it's just the region of, uh, where they're based, but they always seem that they always seem to be quite supportive of
1: non The South teams generally t- t- tend to be quite like open to things, don't they? Um, I know that's a very wide <laughs> assumption to make, but no, you like like Annan Queens are still very in touch with other local sides. Um, even down the south of Scotland level. So that's always been the case there, I feel like. Um, but yeah, there are clubs up there who like, are very open to to progress and, and that kind of thing. Obviously, we've got Cove and Edinburgh City up there now. Chances are we might have a third one in the SPFL next season. The tide's beginning to shift, I feel like. Um, and it should get easier in years to come to argue for actual automatic relegation. We'll see how it progresses.
2: I, uh, I saw something, something from actually one of the sort of Edinburgh City fan fan accounts. They were kind of questioning whether if it was them at the bottom, whether there would be, be a sort of argument of whether <laughs> they'd be relegated, but um, I think also East Fife as well. We've got to sort of give them a wee bit of a shout. They've always been quite, you know, we've obviously seen the likes of Nathan Austin go there on loan. I know he's been there before, but they, they seem to be like another club that, that tends to give non-league players a chance. they uh, picked
1: up Tom Collins in the summer as well, and They've they've done it with a few players.
0: We mentioned um, Steny just briefly there, but um, we had seen some news uh, during the week where there was an instant uh, Albinovos versus Steny, and uh, there was an allegation of um, abuse towards uh, David Cox, the uh, the Albinovos forward. Apparently, David Cox said, apparently he has had um, some struggles with mental health in his life and um, it's been alleged that Jonathan Tiffany of Stenhouse Muir has um, abused Cox by saying he should effectively have, when he tried to kill himself a few years back, he's done it properly. And and that, um, I think for me, that's just a. If true, I think the thing is, we don't know for certain what's been said. Um, It does sound like there's been a bit of a to and fro between both players, um, supposedly. But I think for me, if that's that's true, and that's been said, it's, it's a. It's a horrible thing to
1: say to anyone, that. Yeah, it's beyond the pale. Um, I was having a chat the other day with somebody about and see where all the, the conversations we've had recently about trying to kick racism out of football, trying to kick homophobia out of football, this is exactly the same thing. It's It should all be treated the, the same way, that if he's done it, it, should be a minimum year's ban. And I know the allegation that he's made in return is it's been about a two and through. Um, as far as I'm concerned, he's not denied saying it, from what I can tell for the statements that have came out. He's basically just got kind of said, oh, there was chat flying about back and forth, and where's your proof? Seems to be the um the defense. Steny's done exactly the right thing. So I know a lot of folk have had a go at Steny, because this is the way pylons happen in social media. But Steny have taken themselves straight out of the picture, they've put put the boy out of the team he's on a of absence slash suspension and they've let the SFA take over the investigation, which you've got to commend them for doing the right thing, I would say. Because um, I, I know a few of the boys behind the scenes are quite well and some of the messages I've got just just disgusting, absolutely disgusting. Absolutely, like. yeah. Especially when we're talking about mental health and that, you should see some of the vitriol that they've got in DMs and that's a, Just a joke. But again, it's another blow point in football, and we've had a few of them recently, and it's, this is where fans know Do you know what I mean? It's, like, it just shows that the issue isn't just where abuse coming from the stands. There's an issue on the pitch as well, and it it needs eradicated. It's simple as that.
2: Yeah, I think my take on it, when I've sort of read into it, is the fact that there might have been sort of comments uh, made to Jonathan Tiffany. I mean, he's had, you know, uh, sort of issues personally as well. I don't think, I think we've mentioned it before, but I don't think you should ever get personal, no matter who it is. No. Or, uh, and I think there's been a, I think you've mentioned obviously Ben, but there's, there's maybe been a bit of a to and fro, but if he has said what he said to, to David Cox, I think it's unacceptable. And I did read a follow-up article where David basically said he's, he's not reversing his decision on retirement, which is a shame. And even worse, was the fact that he said he thought about, you know, ending his life over this. Yeah. And it's one of the things that we kind of brought up privately. Like, could you imagine the guilt you would feel if you had said that to someone and then they went and sort of done something? Aye. And it's it's just not right. And we, we're obviously being advocates for mental health and, uh, and we've obviously been a wee bit concerned, especially this season, the season last, uh, for the players, because there has been a few players to... Um, that have had issues. And it's one thing that we have to sort of promote. This, this is the the concerns, obviously, if a player comes out and says he's had issues and that, you know, he is subject to abuse and it just needs to end. And the SFA or the SPFL, whoever it will be, needs to uh, take a stand against it. And uh, I think you're right, Moza. I think we have to, any form of discrimination, if it's over your mental health, over your, uh, your sexuality or, or racism, it has to all be treated the same. And uh, and whether or not you know Cox or whoever said something to to Tiffany, which I hope they haven't. I mean, that, to me that's just as bad. But from what you know, I don't want to d- d- defend Tiffany if he's if he said that. But certainly, just don't get personal. That's that's always been our sort of stands of uh, over everything. Um. It's a shame. It's a it's a terrible issue and it'll be interesting to see how it's dealt with uh you know, in the in the next sort of few few days, weeks, however
0: long it'll be. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right, Chris. I think the thing for me is I mean, you mentioned there about personal abuse. I mean, there's we know boys will be boys in terms of on the park and, and you'll give each other a bit back and forth. That's that's part and parcel of football. We we go to games and you hear the shouts from players to players, but um, and the same when the fans are there the fans are there quite like to give players abuse and you get the old player who'll give it back and and that's just that's part of football that's probably part of one of the reasons why we enjoy it there's, there's that bit of needle and, and but there's a line I think for me and that's it I think things like like this is just kind of beyond the beyond the line you can take it to a certain level and you can give a bit and, and slag someone off or whatever but I think once you get to a certain point when you get personal and, and certainly when it's about things like whether someone's had a a personal struggle in life, or yeah. uh, racism, homophobia, whatever, and that's the that's kind of beyond the beyond the line for me, and that's where it, it needs to stop. And, and and things can be said in heat in the moment, and and maybe you obviously if they have said it, it's been a, be a regret, but for me, it's just it's just too far. Um, yeah, and we need to sort it out and and make sure we can obviously play play nice, but play fair. I think that's the that's the the important thing. We don't want to be too Wrapped up in cotton wool, but certainly me taking a kind of steer, steer, clear of things like that.
1: No, you don't want to take the edge at the game around like that. But at the same time, there's a common decency level that needs to be had, and I think most people would agree with that. In fairness, we're hardly saying that we should stop players talking here. We're just saying, yeah. stop things that wouldn't be acceptable on the street in the pub. Simple.
2: I always think of, of obviously football is a bit of a sort of workplace. Would you would you get away with saying that to? a fellow professional in any other sort of work environment. I don't it's think It's a sackable so. offence. Yeah, exactly. So you have, yeah, it has to be treated the same on the, the football park. And I get what you guys are saying about it's part of the game. Of course it is. And there's there's banner, but yeah, um lines were crossed, I think. And the fact that David Cox has decided to retire over it, it does speak volumes in terms of what's been said. And I think there yeah. has been something said. I don't know if he was, I don't know if I take your, your viewpoint, Maza, where... I, I I don't. I think he was trying to say. Well, he verbally abused me. That's the way. That, that's the way I looked at it. But he's he's got to had he's got had to, have to have said something for him to you know literally walk out the, the stadium at half time and go home. And um, there has to be something said there, in my opinion. Oh no, I Still,
1: totally agree with you. I, the only point I was making was that um, Tiffany, I don't feel like he's denied that he said it. Okay. Um, because he's basically said, "Oh, I get goaded." But he hasn't actually said he didn't say what he's been alleged to have said. And as you say, the fact that he left the game at half time or being on the bench and recorded that, and if anyone's seen the videos, are tough, tough watch because Cox is really emotional when he's when he's talking about it. Clearly, something's been said. I, I, I think that's beyond doubt.
0: Um, the thing I don't understand, though, is that. Cox was on the bench for for Albion Rovers. Tiffany, I believe he was he was in he was playing. He was he was in the starting starting lineup. So, so at what point does does Tiffany get to Cox to give him abuse? That's a bit that I don't really understand. He
1: was playing left back. Apparently, was um out of throwing.
0: Right. Yeah. So, so for me then, that's the thing again about again don't want like defending or take sides. But Tiffany sh- should be focused on what's happening on the park and not yep. what's happening on the side of the, the side of the, the pitch and. Um, if Cox has, has said something to him and um, I don't know from the bench, from the bench and he's obviously I he thinks he got but Cox got booked I think um, for kind of arguing with the ref or something so I don't really know how it's transpired but I find that bit a wee bit odd the fact that, that Tiffany should have been kind of focused on the game and, and not bothered about what the shouts are from the, the sideline and all of a sudden it's, it's blown up into this massive thing but um, I guess we'll find out in, in due course and it'll be be fully investigated by the SFA and we'll, and we'll hear exactly, you know, maybe not exactly what we said, but we'll kind of get, kind of get the gist of what's what, what's happened and, and those who, who deserve punished will get punished. So moving on to kind of other news within uh, World league football, one of the main talking points we've had over the last week and a half is that BSC manager Stephen Swift has left the club uh, and will be joined, uh, has joined uh, Stenhouse Muir. It feels like this, is a bit, this could be the Stenhouse Muir podcast this week. We've mentioned them far too many times, but um, firstly, we'll come to you, Moza. Um, he's your gaffer. Just give us your thoughts.
1: I'm gutted he's gone, but he deserves he's deserved a jump up to SPFL for a year or two now. Um, and I think is a good place for him to go because there's a lot of good work happening there um, behind the scenes. So... I must admit, as soon as that job came up, I had a wee bit of fear about it. And here it is. But it was either there or Stringer were the two that I thought would be the ideal openings uh, for him. Like, he's obviously got a bit of history with Stringer but it's it's tough for the club because we'd only just started making preparations for next season. And obviously, Swift had said to the squad, right, let's get together, let's see what's happening. We now need to start from scratch because he's taking these old backroom staff with him as well. Um, so... This is a massive appointment. Massive appointment for BSC. Um, given that before Swifty we were a mid table side, potentially pinned towards the kind of lower half of the, the table. And he's turned us into a contender. So we really need to keep that momentum up, otherwise it's only going to get harder to get this league. We say it all the time. Um, our windows closing, I would say, if we want to try and get up to league two um in the next couple of years. So I'm uh, slightly nervous, but I'm also kind of cautiously optimistic about it as well. We'll see what we'll see what kind of names come in, and what ridiculous names get linked to it. Hey. Hundred to one, by the way, for anyone listening.
2: Hundred to, one, to one,
0: nice.
2: I was, uh, I don't know if it's because I've obviously spent so much time with you, Moza, but I did feel a wee bit empathetic <laughs> to you and the and the BSC lads, obviously. But I, I agree. I think Swifties deserve his chance. Uh, brilliant manager, really, really respects Swifty and what the job he's done at BSE. Massive shoes to fill, massive shoes to fill. I don't yeah. know. It's going to be they're very difficult for for anyone coming in unless they've got the sort of connections that Swifty has, either higher up or you know maybe in the west. I, I'm actually thinking it's maybe you're probably looking if you if you're going through the same route as as Swifty. Um, I think you're probably looking at maybe, perhaps, looking at a manager from the west of Scotland, but um, that's just my opinion, or someone that certainly has the the association with the SPFL or, or higher up. It's an interesting it's an interesting take. I think Swifty had his own style in terms of what he brought to BSC and who he brought in. I don't know if you're going to get that with any other manager, to be honest, and it's going to be a very interesting time for BSC. I think they can still be a challenger, but it depends if if obviously swifty comes back and raids them or uh, raids other teams it's uh, it's going to be difficult but i'm looking looking forward to seeing who who the sort of next bsc manager is and where they go and obviously i'm hopeful for uh, you and the lads at bsc that that they can still be a challenger i think that's that's the, the main thing because i think they've just they've probably been a wee bit unlucky bsc uh, in terms of what's happened over the last few years. Because I, I do honestly think, even looking at this season, I, I still think they, they uh, still had a chance at the title. They were probably a wee, wee bit of a dark horse. But, um, yeah, very impressed. I, I, I just don't know. I think it's going to be f- weird. I, I, like, I, I can't even call. But there's there's no one in my head that can really replace rifty And I think that's the trouble I'm having with BSC at the moment. I don't see who can come in and, and do the same job but I'm looking forward to seeing who who it is and what they can do basically.
1: See I wouldn't say there's nobody that can come in and do the same job um, but obviously I think it is a massive um, a massive appointment like I either see somebody for the West like you mentioned or somebody has got links to say um, well trodden youth academies and the SPFL, um, I think that's that's the route we go down, because we, we've we got a kind of culture now of we give guys a chance of being let go by bigger clubs up the ladder. We've also got that culture of bringing boys through for the West that deserve a step up. I mean, look at Tom Collins, he's your best example. In Beath. Um I, I know he's not um, kind of been playing for East Fife and he's now alone at Steny, which has worked out well for him getting a game or two under but But um, yeah, I, I don't see that change. So the model we've always had is a younger manager, a kind of up and comer. I can't see his changing that. I don't see is going out and getting an old face in. And um, I still think it'll be somebody that's intent on in moving up the ladder, because that's the kind of club we're and um, we we foster these kind of guys, players and coaching staff. And if they get their move up, brilliant. It means it reflects well on us. So that's um, that's the way we run and when you run like that, you're always going to lose people, players and um, staff to, to bigger teams, if you're successful. So, them's the, the risk you take, unfortunately.
2: Here's, here's a guy I just thought about, obviously. What would you think about sure, Malcolm?
1: I don't think Malx would uh, be in the thoughts. Obviously, this is my opinion, I should point out, not in that I know behind the scenes of that, but... Yeah, I don't see Malks as a, the kind of manager we'd bring in, to be honest. He's obviously was at 4-4 early in the year in East Kilbride, so he knows the league well enough, but I see as more as being a team that will go down a level to pick a manager that has the ability to step up. Yeah, um, yeah, Chris reigns of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for it. I was, I've been I waiting. Was waiting. For that. I've
2: been waiting to set it up. I was um, waiting, waiting for no,
0: Ben's um, reaction.
1: There, <laughs> I was waiting for. That. I mean, I, either that way, or I could see it's giving Stephen Dobby a shout as a player manager, for example. Um, which so, would nice. be my personal dream appointment. I'd love to have Dobby in with his, But
2: especially if he's still playing, mate. Especially, yeah,
1: like... he is. He's still going to be playing as far as I know. But I think he wants to go player coach or player manager. Um,
0: is so there something in
1: that, was there? Are you, are you I, wish, I wish there was something in it. Um, there's no knowledge whatsoever behind that statement, but all I'm thinking is Stephen Dorby played for BSE. The, the same way when Stephen Murray played for us, was just class. So, Stephen Murray's a blast in the past, man. Stephen I Murray. Was, he was so good when he came to us. We I mean, pocket rocked himself, but,
2: but uh, That Queen of the South shout-out wasn't an accident earlier.
1: But... <laughs> 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 but, I, like, there's a few guys like that who... I've recently finished a playing days, or are coming to the end of our playing days. I've been doing their badges, working away. Um, They're known in the club, so we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: I'm not going to say too much about Chris Train because I don't want to see him go. <laughs> um, I fancy a good crack at the the West this year with Chris at the helm. So, I'd be surprised um, if
1: Chris came here, mate. I think he's got a good thing with the Buffs. In
0: no, I'm totally. I think we've got a lot of plans as a team, and uh, but who knows, man? If he, I, I don't know if he would apply for that kind of job, but he might certainly. Um, if someone wants to reach out to him, they might be interested but let's hope not, let's hope he goes and rattles all the West teams for more time and we can (laughs) get ourselves up (laughs) into that playoff and we'll plays but I think think for me, I think I'd expect to see somebody quite progressive coming here at the BFC I think that's that's absolutely what you'd expect to do I think one of these old hands that we can talk about is probably not the type of manager Um, the thing I think for me though is that the whole kind of Going down that player coach route—is that what BSC? Is that what BSC need? Maybe better off having a, a full-time manager who's just focused on the on the side, the playing side, like like Swift, Excuse me. Was um, do you think that's the the way to go? Player manager or player, no, player coach?
1: I mean, I think the club will be open to anything. now. Um and they'll just like we're quite a well thought-out method. outfit, I would say behind the scenes that uh, George will take anyone's application and judge on his merits um, without like he's not the kind of guy that will go in and say I want this person so um, it'll be interesting it'll be very very interesting obviously as soon as I hear something I can't tell you so <laughs> it'll, uh, it'll come out in, in due course no doubt I was
0: going to say there's a timeline for getting some new person obviously the new season is going to start in July so Aye. you want to get someone in soon to get a pre-season underway
1: I'd like to see something the next couple of weeks and I suspect that's what the timeline will be but um, we'll see I mean I should actually say Thank you to Swifty If he's listening Because he gave me A wee shout out On his uh, His wee ch- cheerio statement Although I found out uh, Cam is Denny Cam had a chat with him And he didn't know My name was Derek He just knew my name was Moza So There's <laughs> <how's> that
0: <laughs> loads, of people, loads of people Must think your name's um, Moza Let's be honest I generally thought Your name was Morrison For about a year or so Until I found out It wasn't actually Morrison I thought Which oh, Was always quite funny
2: Ian, uh, Ian Thompson at Kelty still calls me rampant if, it, if it's any consolation for you, uh, Derek.
1: I mean, to be fair, most folk just know me as a through football regardless. Um, it got to the point where uh, with the uh, COVID teams, half the time I just said Moza Robertson on it, so. <laughs> I had it. Uh,
2: well, that's one of the reasons I had to put Chris in, uh, in, on my, my Twitter page because people just were calling me rampant, yeah. which, is, which is all right. I don't mind, obviously, but it was just like... Yeah, it was a bit strange, so I was just like, I'll, I'll just add my real name in there as well.
0: <laughs> well Obviously, so that's, that's a major one, and we'll, we'll keep up to date. The BSC, I'm sure, Moz will be the first to know once, once we're here, so we'll, we'll be keeping in the loop once we once we hear what's happening with BSC, but we am looking forward to seeing who. Cause I think that's the thing as well about a new manager, it's always quite exciting when a new manager comes into a team, and, yeah. and kind of they've got their own ideas and what they want to do, so it's always, it's always exciting, and, uh, we'll follow that story here to catch up i'm sure um moving on just a few other things that have happened around the around the, the leagues in the last few weeks obviously we've seen a few clubs um, licensed in the east and in the west which is which is great so there are quite a few more teams i know Clay bank and in, in the uh, the west have got their license so I've come look and i think i've seen quite a few of these teams have got their got a license i think it was five or six was it already have got the got the license in
1: I um, I think there's still one or two to trickle through as well, but it's good to see because this is what we need for the West to get in the same level as East, and then that forces Alolan to further relegation. So yep. um, I feel like it might well be discussed and potentially something might happen at this AGM this summer because mm. George was on the Sports Market in Scotland podcast, the last one, and he was talking about ventilation. But yeah. Interesting word to use, but ventilation I liked it. through I liked the pyramid. It. I liked it, I was just um, of that. And he was saying, look, we need you lead by example as well. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens for that. I'd, I'd like to see two automatic relegation spots personally. Do you yeah, think
0: it um, would be like a like a one from each each league in the fact if that's the case, like a like a west. I know we've obviously got the south, but um do you think we'd expect to see kinda maybe even one from each league going, going up per year, maybe in three at
1: some point. Yeah, I think long term, the South is probably going to come under the West's yeah. banner, isn't it? It's now the worst kept secret in Scottish football <laughs> that the South are looking to step down a tier um, and basically be a feeder league to the West of Scotland Premier. So um, it would make sense for the West and the East to have two relegation spots and automatic promotion for the champions and potentially over time maybe adding a playoff for the, the runners up, but we'll get there. Um. The main thing is we would have pro-par up and down every single season to get started. And then by doing that, put, put the pressure on up the, the tiers to get League Two to look the same way at it. it. Um, obviously, the other thing we should shout out is the East of Scotland have announced uh, a list of teams that have been accepted. We're waiting on the West to do it, I think, next month, then if I'm right.
0: Yeah, so I think the AGM end of June. So. And um, that'll be ratified. Right. I know the the list there's been, I think, eleven teams applied yep. um so far. And there's kind of ground checks and, and things like that. And then there's also a set of the Westerns have set like a kind of criteria. I don't know if that happens in the East, but there's been a criteria kind of set around um a number of things that they, they expect to see in the um in the West. And I think it'll depend on how many clubs hit the, the criteria, whether or not they'll go into the conferences. Um, or they'll go into a I guess effectively it's a it'll be a tier 8 or officially it's going to be tier 10 by the the following season I think once the once the conferences are, are sorted out it'll come at a tier 10 it's going to be essentially a feeder league um into the the kind of the, the tier 9 tier 8 tier 7 etc and that'll be kind of I think the thing will be that'll be more about kind of development is what I'm hearing so I think yeah. about, like, there won't be ne- there necessarily kind of requirements to have maybe the 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 grounds in, in perfect condition and things like that they'll they'll be able to um spend a bit more time getting the ground up to scratch and things like that before they actually get into tier nine and and some teams might want to just play tier ten for forever and they, some others might um so obviously the progressive ones who want to go up the leagues and try and get up the the up the west probably some of your more kind of uh some of the amateur teams that are kind of looking to kind of make a step up those kind of teams will, will obviously get grounds and get the facilities and all that in place and and we'll see more teams go in, but the West is eventually going to be massive. It's going to be a huge, Aye. a huge um, kind of region for of, of football, because if we bring in the South, like we said, and that's another, what, probably 20, 30 teams, It um, come in there as well, and we've already at like 60-odd, plus potential all living and who else, depending on who else applies. I think like, we've, we've seen, I think, like, Campbelltown have applied to join the league, so they're, they're way out West in terms of yeah. um, the region, and, and potentially might see more teams in um, the West and the kind of kind of islands type teams that they obviously are quite quite further west, normally playing their own kind of amateur leagues, but obviously they see themselves as as potentially play. So they might you might see I don't know, like uh, Oban and Aaron and Rossi, etc. Some of these kind of teams might might end up coming and that might just cast that net even wider in terms of what the West will look like. But it's certainly it's exciting the way I mean I'm I'm buzzing for the West season to restart and in July, it's it's been a long time coming. We've obviously we know what it's like as the three of us haven't been involved in much football, Chris. I know you've been involved with, with Spartans a little bit with the Spartans Women's League and stuff. And it's just been good for yourself, but we all miss football. We just can't wait to get back.
2: Yeah, and one one we know actually on the the East, I was actually quite happy to see Whitburn joined because I've actually yeah. been to Whitburn previously. A really good setup. It's probably changed over the over the last few years. I mean, I was there about a few years ago now, obviously, but. Uh, another one, obviously, uh, I thought it was interesting. you Mentioned development, especially in the west of Scotland, because obviously Edinburgh City. I think it's known that they tried to get a sort of their, their development uh, team into the east of Scotland, but obviously for whatever reason, it was it wasn't accepted. I mean, that would have been very interesting, given the, all the sort of coach chat that we've had uh, with Rangers and Celtic. But uh, Harmony Row in the west, I think that would be a brilliant addition. A little known fact about Harmony Row. I didn't realize how sort of big they were for youth. Um, Massive, yeah. Yeah, the I, I I well obviously I think I've told you guys, but I've been real <laughs> re- recently listening to sort of Alex Ferguson's um, all biography. I didn't realize he was a youth player at Harmony yeah, Row way yeah. back in the day. So, um, yeah, I, I quite I think we had mentioned Harmony Row back in uh, pre-season because I'm pretty sure they beat a a West of Scotland team um, yeah. few, ages ago, but. I'd, I'd like to see them
1: uh, and other teams, obviously in the West as well. It's exciting, very exciting to. I to do. See. Um, I do love the idea that the West are going to have that development step. It, I think it's a fantastic idea because basically you can go for the Army to the step into the West of Scotland League without yeah. having to make that massive jump that can be really tough in a club if you're not ready for it. Um, you look at the likes so, Are Glasgow-Wellington is a, an example of a team that could do that in the future that might forward think quite ambitious, but they wouldn't be ready to go West of Scotland yet because they've barely started at army level. So, um, East of Scotland-wise, a, a side note, quite an interesting side note that gives us a wee hint to one of the West teams that's coming up. All the teams in that region have been accepted from the Old East Juniors, other than Harthill, for what I can tell. So... <laughs> make from that what you will. <laughs> um but I, the obviously the other thing being all the teams that were north um, uh, the these juniors were through um, because this Midland league's coming along and don't be worried that you're not hearing anything about it. That's a good thing. Um it's working away in the background and you likely won't hear anything about that till the SFA's general meeting where everyone will get rubber stamped and signed off for the next season. Um But as it stands, we will finally have that proper pyramid going into next season. So, not everything has been bad through the pandemic. We have finally got to a point where we have got an actual pyramid in Scottish football. Finally. That's it. But the
0: only thing is, we still don't have League 3, which is a bit sad.
1: (laughs) Shout (laughs) out to Stevie Akin.
0: Stevie Akin, my man. (laughs) man man like Stevie knows all about League (laughs) 3. Wouldn't be a podcast without mentioning at least once. So um that's pretty much it, I think, for us this week. I don't think there's much else to discuss. Um we'll just remember to check out our sponsors, The Soccer Shop Direct, find them on Twitter at the Soccer Shop D or check out the website www.thesoccershopdirect.com for all your team wear and football equipment needs. We'll go around the table and get all the plugs in before we, we go. Moza, where can we find you?
1: Uh, at Moza Plays on Twitter, and you'll find me anywhere through there. Uh onto Chris.
2: Yeah, at rampant fm on Twitter, and you can find the official catch-up on Twitter at official catch-up League catch-up on Facebook and pretty much just Google official catch-up and you'll find us absolutely everywhere even places that we're probably not meant to be
0: and you'll get me and myself it's at Mr Ben Grant on Twitter it's probably the best place to send your your boost. still not shared from this podcast it's been a year almost now and <laughs> I still haven't seen any, any serious comments but it was the first time for everything. Only but,
1: DM he's ever had is a DM for the Daz Christie fan club. That's been up.
2: I didn't, so, uh, uh, I didn't want to say this. I think I've probably maybe mentioned it to you before, Ben. But you are actually getting a wee bit of praise from uh, from certain people in the Lone League. So, um, uh-huh. yeah, I didn't want to give you a big head. Eh, got to so. say, <laughs> I like it.
0: That's cool. That's him um, That's cool. Talk about it. The one DM I did get was um, Someone trying to um, scout out a player who had just left Corn Rangers, which. It was interesting that I was like, how do you know who I am? But it turns out on the <laughs> podcast, you know, I was like, it was a it was a connection there. So um yeah, that's all for us this week. Um we'll be back probably in a couple of weeks' time. There's more to chat about, but uh, I guess we well, want to say good luck to Kelly, I guess. We want to see them yep. get yep. the result um tonight and on Saturday. And we'll be back soon. Cheers. <laughs>